All right, so I'm Dr. Eric Greenberg, and um, it is March 9th, 2021, at least in the United States, and I'm here with, uh, with my student, uh, who, whose name, as we said, we have altered to protect his, uh, his identity and his safety, um, but we're going to call him uh, Ang Kant for the moment. And um, so he's a student of mine at Loyola Marymount University, but he is, uh, he is a Myanmar national. He's currently living in Myanmar during the, the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And uh, this is a follow-up to the podcast that we had done a couple of weeks ago where he was kind enough to uh, give me an interview and talk about what is going on in Myanmar. So just to remind the viewers, there is a, uh, there is a coup that had taken place um, uh, a couple of months ago where the, uh, the military junta of uh, Myanmar took over and displaced and arrested uh, quite a number of the, uh, the uh, legitimately elected officials such as uh, Aung San Suu Kyi, uh, the state councilor, uh, as well as uh, a lot of members of her cabinet. They have put these people under arrest. Um, and there's been um, very um, uh, uh, organized, concerted, but peaceful protests among the vast majority of the population who just do not want this military junta to be in power. They do not want this coup to, to, uh, to be solidified, and they want their elected officials back. They want their democracy back. But for those of you who've been following what's going on in the news, uh, the violence that has been perpetrated by the, the military junta, by the military government against the general population is getting worse and worse and more and more people are being killed. And so I have my, my young friend Ang here to talk a little bit about what's going on because he's in the thick of it. He's seeing what's going on. Uh, he's been taking part in, in the peaceful protests, but as he told me that it's, it's more and more difficult at this point um, because, uh, because there's, much, there's more and more violence against the general population. So I want to thank Ang for being here. And um, so so tell me, please, um, just in your own words, what's been going on? Of course, we've talked about this before, but for the sake of the, the viewers, just repeat a little bit what we've talked about and bring us up to date. Yeah, so unfortunately, uh, the protests have took, uh, took a much more violent turn. Mm -hmm. This is because the, the junta and the military has basically blocked off a lot of access to embassies and a lot of public uh, places where they know uh, the, uh, where the whole world, where they know the whole world would be watching or where they know they cannot use any violence because uh, because we have just been peacefully protesting. Mm -hmm. So um, ever since basically the 28th of uh, February, okay. things took a much darker turn where over 50 people were gunned down in one day, which was mm. our bloodiest day uh, in, uh, in our country, in, in this revolution. And this was, yeah, this was a really sad day when uh, one of the girls in Mandalay called Angel, uh, where she became kind of like a symbol and now our revolutionary hero, a martyr, mm. was really like, how to say, made us feel that we need to win this um, revolution. So ever since then, the protests have turned into basically kind of like a cat and mouse situation where, um, where, where, the, where the protesters set up barricades 
and um, has a lot of their homemade Roman sh- uh, Roman type of shields. Yeah, and yeah. and a lot of makeshift uh, protective protective gear uh, in case of any rubber bullets, live ammunition, or even um, tear gas. Hmm. Yeah, the problem, the greater problem right now is that um, media, media is uh, press and media is also getting really targeted. Where, um, where at the ground situation, the med- the press journalists actually have to blend in with the protesters. They cannot wear the helmet where it says press because they actually get targeted. They oh. get arbitrarily detained, and people even who is shooting. Like people who is taking a video from their apartment will get hit with a catapult or will get uh, get shot with a rubber bullet. So what they try to do is just old tech to old tactics, uh, censoring the media too. And just yesterday, uh, five main media outlets were um, how do you say were were put on warrant and were made illegal. Mm-hmm. So it is just it is just transparent. Uh, censorship. Yeah, but right. however, ever since that day of killing, that actually, how I would say, boosted the global attention. Where I've never seen Myanmar actually being covered that much on the global news than after that day. So what we believe is that now that they have, um, the junta has turned into a different type of tactic, where they're trying to incite fear. And anxiety inst- instead of just plainly killing people, mm. where now we see a lot of a lot of brutal beatings. Uh, I believe uh, you have seen the, the beating of three healthcare workers, which is actually pretty sad. And um, yeah. we have seen a lot of now nightly arrests, and now which was actually uh, which we would actually say kidnappings, and now two members of the uh, NLD, the elected um, party. Uh, now two, two members have been, they were arrested at night and the next morning, uh, only their body, bodies returned. So they wow. basically died in custody from probably brutal beating and torture. Ish. So now they're trying, to type, they're trying to incite that type of anxiety and fear into us. And now every other night, like in even in my city, in every township, flashbangs would go off. Um, uh, like, what is it? Ammunition would go off, just to, you know, keep fear into the people. Mm. And above all that, there's still the one to nine a.m. Um, internet curfew, which keeps us really, like, which even incites more anxiety. You know. Right. Yeah. And so, so at this point, you know, you've got very limited time to do your schoolwork, um, to, to do any protesting, uh, to be on the internet. It's all, it's all under curfew. Um, so, so remind us of your, your schedule. You know, you, from what I recall, the, the, the curfew, uh, or rather the, the internet curfew ends, what time of the morning? Eight in the morning, was it? Or uh, 9 a.m. in the morning. 9 a.m. Okay, and goes till about 1 a.m. I think. Yeah, till 1 a.m. Yeah, and now now your class with me is it's somewhere about midnight your time, right? Yes, midnight to one exactly. Actually, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah, your class has been the only one I've been actually been uh, being able to attend. Wow. So it's kind of crazy how even like my right to education was like blatantly stripped off. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, you know, I, I have a strange question for you, but you know, you're you're in the middle of something that most of us here in the U.S. have never experienced in our lives. Uh, the the idea of uh, just this kind of random violence in our streets where any of us could get killed at any time. I mean, even people who have served in the military overseas and have served in combat, that's been in another country. It hasn't been here in the United States, in their homeland, in their towns. Let me ask you, do you fear for your life? Do you think that, you know, you might leave the house at some point and just never come back? Is that on your mind? I would say... If I were to able to um, like uh, uh, serve my parents and to if I were to actually join a protest, I would say my my mindset would be that okay, I might not return. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of these young protesters are actually going with that mindset, where it is crazy because how do you say it? us youth and young people we don't feel like like. What is it? Losing this revolution is worse than death. Like, right. We are not scared of being dead, even death anymore. Yeah. And the thing about this is why this is on such our priority is us young people feel that, feel that no matter what you're doing right now, your degree, your education, if this hunter it will be in power, it won't matter at all. Your degree, your your hard work, what you're doing, it we feel as though it won't matter. So mm. that is why, yeah, this is our number one priority. Everything mm. else comes after. Think about this. We, we're one of the most impoverished um, nations in the world where our minimum wage is um, basically around $2 per day, mm. per day. And now for over a whole month, we haven't worked at all. Everyone has stopped working. Everyone has gone on general strike. Um, even private banks have been closed for a month, over a month. That is how much people don't care about anything else. Mm. And, but what we believe is that at this time, nobody will go, like nobody, nobody will die from starving. Since we feel so united and we're already a country that donates and like we live in a very societal culture where we can guarantee that you don't have rice at your home you can go and ask your neighbor and they will give you with a smile mm. so that's why we everyone is on strike nobody is working and hopefully hopefully this will bring an uh, end to the, the brutality yeah. but yeah i would like to add to that fact that with these, I would say, this, these are the real problems. Like, this, mm, how do you say it? This is not the first world problem. This is the real problems that are actually still going on in the world. Where, um, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So just to kind of, to kind of reiterate and clarify, you're saying 
that so many of us, particularly here in the US, we're just kind of focused on celebrities and fashion and style. And, you know, maybe we stubbed our toe and we think that's a problem. And you're saying yeah. that to lose one's democracy, to lose one's freedom, yeah. that's the real freedom. problem. That's the real problem, yeah. yes. But the freedom. to lose one's, like to lose one's ability to even, like, you know, pursue your own education mm-hmm. or not to fear for a life. Those are like the fundamental problems that are, that might be still going on in the world. Yeah. Truly, true. Yeah. yeah. And to add on oh. that to now, I, un, I mm, oh, never mind. This might be too controversial. Sorry. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, well, I'll add on to this later. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, you know, I I've been very critical of of um, the the people who who stormed the Capitol in the United States um, and on January, uh, January 6th. And, you know, I try to, I try to be as neutral in American politics as possible, but really when it comes to people who are um, essentially following fake news and, <clears throat> and, and creating a problem there where there wasn't one and, uh, and pretending that the election actually was won by Trump, Donald Trump and and claiming that they have the right to go to our capital and essentially to storm the capital and to create a revolution just so that their candidate can win the election um, and and of course we've there's been reports that there were numbers of people who were there storming the capital who never even voted in the election so how do they have the right to complain and so so these people, I, you know, there were there were a lot of them who were claiming, oh, this is our 1776. And, and you know, you may uh, recall that 1776 is the date of our American Revolution, the date that we uh, declared our independence from from Great Britain. And so people look at that number as this seminal date, the seminal date that where everybody in America got together, we fought for the common cause of our independence to, to create a democratic republic called the United States of America. And so people are, are saying, oh, this is our generation 1776, where we need to fight against a, a stolen election. And I just, not only do I laugh, but I scoff at that because that election wasn't stolen. You want to see a stolen election? You look at Myanmar. You look at what's going on there. That's a stolen election. And so I would remind every American who's watching this, I would remind anybody who has, has a care, who thinks that our nation is a righteous and just nation that believes in democracy, we've got a 1776 going on in Myanmar right now. And, um, and these are people who are really struggling for their freedom, for their democracy, for their liberty. And those of us in America, we need to support um, our, our fellows, our, our brethren and sisters in Myanmar and support them in their fight to restore their democracy. And what is that going to take? Well, we're going to have to keep writing to our representatives, our senators, our governors, our president and vice president, and remind them to, to uh, withhold any aid from this illegal military junta government, this coup uh, in Myanmar, and to do everything they can to try to restore the the the, the rightful, uh, legitimately elected government, and you know, obviously, Myanmar wasn't a perfect nation beforehand. It isn't a perfect nation now, um, but you know, it's only going to get back on track if they have a democracy and not a, a military junta running their government. So I I just can't stress it enough to to all of 
any of my viewers um, that that this is their 1776. We need to support them in the NAT. So um, I'm just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, um, the how to say the American government has been really um, supportive of us. They were mm -hmm. the first ones to uh, impose bilateral sanctions on okay. the government. But what the problem? What we have now realized is that because they were so isolated already before, these uh, how to say the sanctions from America and most of the Western countries don't really affect them. Mm. So, yeah. Things are changing very quick, even our perception of how we can win this battle. So before, what we did was we really rallied to, you know, the Americans, the, uh, the Japanese, the Australians, you know, uh, and we really pressured UN, you know, please help us, save us. But now what we're starting to realize is that these monsters of uh, the monsters, the military junta, they actually might not care. And what we have realized is also that through UN, uh, because China and Russia can still veto any strong action, we are, war we, are, we are not relying our hopes on there anymore too. So now what I would say is that in my own personal opinion, like this battle will be only won from within where mm -hmm where one of the longest civil war in the world, a 60 year old civil war might actually come to an end right here, right now. And, uh, and Myanmar might actually achieve true democracy where ASEAN, uh, where no country in Southeast Asia has actually had. So yeah, our future, like for us, we feel like if we win this, it is the brightest and the most the most shiniest it has ever been because we have never felt this united we have never like we have and we will finally be able to abolish the 2008 constitution which is mm. like yeah which is the only thing that is probably holding back from uh from our development and to think that we will get our true democracy and freedom right after this revolution where all the people came together where where now the people of Myanmar are basically fearless. We are, we are unarmed civilians fighting against guns. So if we win this battle, our future, we feel as though it has unlimited potential where, yeah, where a fearless group of people are gonna get true democracy. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I, I guess a, a couple of weeks ago, um, I was watching uh, you may have actually sent me this video. It was the um, uh, the Myanmar ambassador to the United Nations. Uh, tell me if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Is it Kyo Mo Tun? I don't know if I'm pronouncing yes. it correctly. Yes, Kyo Mo Tun. Okay. Kyo Mo Tun, uh, where he was uh, 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 issuing an appeal for help to end the military coup. Um, and uh, I recollect one particular thing he said that really stood out in my mind was he asked for help uh, by any means necessary. And I thought, wow, that's a dramatic statement. When you say by any means necessary, you mean also potentially having UN troops come in and exert military force to try to keep peace. Now, I don't know how many people interpreted that as what he meant, but that's what it can be said to mean, you know? 
that's you know shocking. What is actually even more shocking was that like Ujo Moton was supposed to so he he was currently still the ambassador by the military junta so he was that day at that council he was supposed to say what was ordered by the junta which would be not condemning the coup saying the situation is internal blah 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 but he broke rank and actually right. stood out stood up for the people and which which might actually be a defining moment hopefully in this revolution mm-hmm. so right now he is our he is seen as a national hero where mm. um, yeah and yeah what is even crazier is that that is true we we burmese people feel so hopeless because we don't have any weapons and we believe that the only reason we are under this military rule is because they have weapons if we mm. had weapons they wouldn't be empowered so now just last week there were a lot of posters that were asking for please un please r2p r2p which is responsibility to protect mm. which is finally when you are supposed to send the troops in maybe un peacekeepers or things like that so That's we are that hopeless yeah right right and of course you know a lot of americans for the last i don't know several decades we've talked about that one of the reasons why in the united states we have a second amendment of course this is a really really hot button issue this is highly debated but a lot of more conservative people will say well this is one of the reasons why we have uh the second amendment in the constitution the right to keep and bear arms is to prevent the potential of a yeah of a um a, you know a, a a tyrannical government from taking over because wow. they need to be afraid of the people and i have to say in this one moment maybe they're right maybe that's one of the reasons why why we was, have guns yeah that was what i was about to add before saying oh maybe that's a little too controversial but i finally see it now i finally understand i never understood yeah they can just get guns like like as if it's like walmart now i understand it now why like to the extreme it makes sense if the yeah. government is being bad who is going to like yeah and that's true yeah 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 the government that fears its people you know that that's what they say you know I, we want our government to fear our people that that's part of of the government having respect for the people and and carrying out the will of the people now this is this is a highly debated issue uh it's it's not an issue an issue that is easy to come to conclusion about because obviously a lot of people in the United States have lost their lives due to random gun violence or just absolute nut jobs getting their hands on guns it's not a simple answer it's not a simple uh, a simple problem but you know we're we're seeing the extreme on the other side a completely disarmed populace in Myanmar and the uh, the military junta is running roughshod over them uh, and yet the people of Myanmar are showing the kind of of bravery and the kind of um uh just just in internal fortitude that i think that our ancestors in the united states in the early days of our republic that those people showed the kind of bravery that that our our revolutionary government in 1776 the kind of uh bravery that they showed uh and that's why i, I just want all americans to remember what's going on in myanmar that that you know these are these are people just as brave if not braver than than our colonial ancestors our revolutionary ancestors 200 and you know 30 some odd years ago 
I'm not going to do the math right now, but uh, you know, <laughs> however many years ago 1776 was, you know. Um, yeah. But um, our, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would say, our country is like really full of potential. Since we're at, like even just looking at a geography, um, geography standpoint, we're in between India and China, mm -hmm. the like the mo like the mega countries of the world, where. Well, even just, yeah, even at a geographical standpoint, we are very important and vital where we have a lot of potential. And we are actually, uh, this, uh, in the world, we actually, uh, we actually produce the second most precious stones in the whole world. So, and we actually were the number one supplier in ruby, like that pigeon, pigeon blood ruby. Those, oh. those, those type of natural resources come so much from Myanmar, but these were mishandled, these were corrupted, these made the hunters and their cronies billionaires while the people of Myanmar just lived in poverty. That is why, like, over these 60 years, it was, it really deteriorated our country, where here the military is not just the military, it is they control the police force too. And they're mm -hmm. also a huge economic powerhouse where they have conglomerates in every sector. Only now, for the first time, Burmese citizens, Myanmar citizens are looking where their money goes when, when they buy a product. Mm -hmm. And we're also, have, also having a social revolution where like once these military people, how do you say, they were, they were supposed to be treated with respect. Whenever they came into a room, you were supposed to bow to them. But now that has gone out the window where mm. the public people will spit on them and spat on them if, if they're seen in public. And now people are boycotting their products, looking if there are any links to what they're buying with to the military or if they're supporting in any other way. Mm -hmm. and, and a cultural revolution of where like, the military is a really misogynistic, very like right-wing Buddhist nationalistic institution. Mm. So like the, our defense tactic, one of the defense tactic is right now um, hanging up sarongs, or they're mm. called longjis, where the Burmese military and most, most actually most Burmese men in our culture, we have this thing called ponkan, which is maybe only uh, secluded to uh, Theravada Buddhism. Mm -hmm. We have this ponkan where, how do you say, men are just born better. We have better thinking. We have better, you know, we have better luck. And if we were to do things like going under a longji or going under a woman's dress, our ponkan would be lower. Here, it is really sad where, you know, even at some, some, uh, some pagodas, women are not allowed to step into certain places because of their pongan. That is how much like this misogynistic culture is ingrained in our nation. But now what happened on International Women's Day was all of the men's protesters came out of their house with sarongs on their head, literally wrapped around as if it's their hat. So now the women also feel like oh my god it is actual like there's an actual social and cultural revolution where like these 
old ideas and like culture roots might actually also be taken away. Mm. That is why we're saying we're we're very like our future looks so bright. Where we can, where I can finally persuade my parents that Myanmar is not a Buddhist country. You cannot label this as a Buddhist country. We have over a hundred ethnic groups. Do you finally understand why we cannot label this as one country or our country? And now they finally accept for the first time things like that. That makes us so like giddy for the future, so happy for the future. Especially people like me who have seen how like. You know the Western culture, how America, how how diverse yet accepting they are. Yeah, because to be honest, in California, I never had a bad experience like that. You know that that had that included my race or you know anything. So I would say I'm really I'm also really looking forward to the future of our country. Yeah, yeah. Cal- at least our area of California and the Greater Los Angeles area is very diverse. And uh, you know, even even people from the the majority or hegemonic population, you know, the Anglo or Caucasian people, they're just so used to having people of different ethnicities around them that I think the vast majority of people here in the Greater LA area are very tolerant and as as non-racist as one could be in a in a largely racist society. I mean, we can talk about uh, you know the the racist. Uh, origins and undertones of our society, but the individual people, yeah, we've got a lot of tolerant people here, and and, and I'm glad that you've had that positive experience here in the past. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I just want to kind of remind the viewers that that um, at least at face value, uh, Myanmar is a is a majority Buddhist nation and majority Theravada Buddhist nation. And if for people who don't know anything about that, you know, Theravada is the oldest the oldest uh, remaining sect of Buddhism. It's, it's uh, older than Mahayana Buddhism. Um, and and it's, it tends to be thought of as, as fairly traditional, fairly conservative. There's certain aspects of Theravada Buddhism that are uh, you know, very different than Mahayana Buddhism. Uh, but we tend to think of Theravada Buddhism as very peaceful, pacifistic. And yet, as you've described to me, we've got some very uh, radical and extremist leaders in Theravada Buddhism in Myanmar. And I just, I, when I first learned about that, I was just shocked. I was thinking, this is so un-Buddhist, the kinds of things that I'm hearing from, uh, from like people like Luratu, we talked about him, the very, very uh, uh, extremist monk. National shame. It felt as a national shame for us. Mm-hmm, like someone, mm-hmm. a monk, to be doing that. Was, yeah. Like, yeah, but these are all the crazy thing is these are all the works of military. These are mm. all the works of trying to divide. Because now what they're doing is what they always praise themselves is that oh we are defending our country's um our country's traditions and values mm. and our religion. That is what they poise themselves on and try to like try to persuade people on their side. And that is mm. what their what their supporters always say. Always these racist, misogynistic slurs. Always like, I don't want my country to be a Muslim country, like, or the. Right. I don't want my country to be a, like to be a Western country. You know, things like that. Like mm. these people shame Aung San Suu Kyi for marrying a Western. Mm. Like that's how nationalistic and like because we were closed off for sixty years, where, where where the 
all the military's propaganda was we're supposed to rely on ourselves rely on yourself rely on yourself don't call don't don't be calling other people your father you are your own um how do you say you're supposed to provide for yourself that was so in, deeply ingrained until i believe our generation where we have access to the internet we have access to the whole world and now things are really changing where most of the young people don't think like uh, conservatively at all yeah. right right now uh, you and I, of course, had that email exchange earlier talking about the role of faith leaders, that, that the role that they've played or not played. Can we talk about that a little bit for the viewer? Um, yes. I had asked, I, you know, because everything I do is, is regarding interfaith. I, I, that's my whole profession is to try to make peace and build bridges between people of different faiths. And I had suggested to, to Ang uh, that, hey, you know, what if we were to, to try to uh, bring together different faith leaders in his area, and and therefore the Institute for Religious Tolerance, Peace, and Justice, my organization, my nonprofit here based in Los Angeles, which has an international scope. What if we were to try to work with them to see if we could maybe support them uh, doing certain kinds of interreligious dialogue or interreligious activities right in the middle of while they're having the protests, if there's something that we can do that's of an interfaith nature, then maybe I can justify trying to raise funds through our organization to help them. But then, of course, you you uh, enlightened me about what's going on. So please share with the viewer what you what you had said to me about the problems with that. Yeah. So it seems as though, hmm, like the religious leaders, they're taking a stance of where politics doesn't like matter with religion, sort of type of where like so. I'm not. I'm a Buddhist, so I only know more about what's going on in the Buddhist community. So, uh, like a lot of the, how to say, the mm, prominent and very major monks, all they have done is just release a statement condemning the use of force and the coup, where we as people believe that this, this is no longer politics anymore. This is between good and evil, where they should be more... Um, I would say more prominent, more like, yeah, they should be more apparent in their actions. Yeah. And, but what has also happened is that these, because the military is so ingrained in the Buddhist traditions and superstitions, there have been this very powerful and, how do you say, yeah, very powerful and well known monk who has, who has apparently even told the military to, like, he, who has, given the advice to military, to the junta, that if you want to change the era, aim for the heads, which actually rhymes in like Burmese. So that rumor has circulated so much where now we even, we also swear and we put that Buddhist monk's face on the sarong just to disrespect. So. Mm. There, like there's also a revolution in that sense of religion where even I can, once again, another thing I can finally convince my parents where my mom, a very devout Buddhist who before used to always tell me like, it doesn't matter if it's Wiratlu or anyone. If he is, if he is wearing the, the, uh, the saffron robe, mm -hmm. 
Like you have to respect it. That is, that is Buddha's teaching. Like she would always tell me that. But mm -hmm. now I can convince her. Wait a minute. I don't think so. I don't think. Like all the doctorates, all the knowledge, it doesn't matter if you're evil, if you're supporting evil in within. So now that type of like culture shift is also happening where, like, honestly, our our society used to just blindly follow the monks, blindly donate to the monks. We don't know, like, what's going on, but we just blindly donate it. But now, like, we want to know who you are, really. You know, mm -hmm. so. And another problem is that, um, how do you say, most of the local monks they are really traditional, so they might not even have a like a laptop to join in on Zoom, or they may not they might not even want to interact with Zoom. You know? Yeah, yeah. So oh, things like that because even monks they're not even supposed to hear any type of music. You know, they're not listen, supposed to listen to music. They're not supposed to look in the mirror. So I mean, Zoom would be kind of like the mirror. Mm. Because, That's interesting. Uh, they might very be, traditional. Very traditional, yeah. Because they might mm -hmm. one might be caring about their beauty and such. So eliminating mm. of the mirror eliminates that. Yeah, it, there's actually a lot of tradition. Mm. So yeah, that was why I would say there might be some difficulty. Yeah. Right. By the way, what was the name of the the other monk you were talking about, uh, who had said that phrase that if you want to change the era, aim for their heads? Who was that guy? Oh, like, hmm, we don't know his name specifically, huh. but he is known as the, um, like, Wazi Bait. Wazi Bait is like, uh, mouth is closed. So he doesn't talk, apparently, for like three months. So in, in our culture, we only know him as the Wazi Bait monk. So mouth closed monk. Like we're not oh, sure of, yeah. Because we, okay. we're not sure even if, you know, if he's dealing in the evil arts and such. Because, mm. yeah, he's he's. It seems as though he's like the hunter is his biggest, like how to say, the biggest client or like biggest supporter. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. 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 And, so, but, oh. mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, Cardinal uh, Mambo, though, has been very prominent in releasing statements asking for international help. Yeah. That's a so Catholic say, cardinal, I assume. Yes. Yes. Like okay. Pope Francis is friend okay. All right. Yeah, I'm just wondering if there's some way we can uh, uh, maybe try to work with the Catholics to to try to amplify yeah. his request for support. Um, I don't know. I just I I, I don't want to give up on the possibility of involving uh, the interfaith yeah. community in some way, whether whether the community in Myanmar or the community outside of Myanmar. Uh, I keep telling people that um, you know, it's the faith leaders who really have a lot of power in this world. They're the people who are, who are telling the populace what to believe and, and how to think, um, and they're not even elected. And so with that, that, that power comes a lot of responsibility to, to tell people good things to do and, and the right way to act rather than somebody like Wazibe or Wiratu who are telling people to be nationalistic, to be extremists, to to hate the next door neighbors because they're not of the same ethnicity as you, that's they're using their power wrong. So the rest of us who are people of conscience, we need to stand up and say, all right, hey, we're the faith leaders. We know what's best. And we're telling you, stop yeah. that. That's that's not okay. We do not support that. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's true. And this might actually be a blessing in disguise where like finally maybe we have finally realized it is no longer we should no longer like have such conservative values. Like because mm-hmm. oh we would do really open like like really shine a like light to a lot of my age and a lot of maybe like people in the twenties and thirties mm-hmm. like, where they finally like realize, oh my god, they can be extremists and Buddhists too. You know, it, it is not just like secluded to other religions. There can be extremists in our religion too. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I'm reminded of something. I don't know how much you know about about the history of other nations. Uh, you know, you and I don't know each other that well. We've only known each other a couple of couple of months at, at this point. But so I've done a lot of a lot of historical research. I've I've learned a lot about, particularly about the Vietnam War. I was always very interested in that uh, America's involvement in the Vietnam War, what was going on at the time, and I don't know if you've heard of um, a a Buddhist monk in Vietnam who um, uh, he literally set himself on fire. It's, it's a very, very famous photo of him. Oh, His yes. Name, yeah, Quang Duc Dong. Um, and this was part of, uh, I mean, it was a movement of Vietnamese Buddhist monks who were protesting against the predominantly Catholic government of Vietnam at that time. I'm trying to remember whether that was the uh, Nguyen Cao Ki, I think was the name of the, the president at the time was Catholic and he was favoring the Catholics and he was abusing the Buddhist population. And so the Buddhists were protesting the, um, the, the, the improper treatment of Buddhists. And what this one guy did was he went into the public square. I think this was in, um, in Saigon, if I recall, and he had his assistants pour gasoline all over him. They lit him on fire and he just fell into a state of deep meditation of deep Samadhi. And he just literally sat there on fire until he died. He didn't scream, he didn't flinch, he didn't move. And this became a, a symbol around the world, a symbol of the kind of, of, of I guess you'd say, strength or fortuitousness that, or, or fortitude that the Vietnamese Buddhist monks had where they were willing to, to give up their lives uh, for social justice, for a cause. And so my point is, where are those Quang Duc Dongs now in Myanmar? Where are the Buddhist monks who are willing to give up their lives for the greater good of humanity, for the greater good of the, of the Myanmar people, willing to give up their lives to say to, to the, the junta, the military junta, you're doing something wrong, and I'm going to sacrifice my life to show you that you're doing something wrong. Where is that? They need to stand up and do that. That's I'm not true. saying that if, people should be killing themselves, but I'm saying where is that drive? Where is that bravery? That's why it's really disappointing because what's so strange is that in 2007, the but like the monks led the revolution. Really? Where, yeah, where they were like they were gunned down, they were beaten up, beaten up. But that is really that is why it's really strange to us. Have, have did they got have like did they think? Maybe it is not worth it after 2007 or, you know, that's why it's really strange to us this, this time. Because mm. as I said, like the Saffron Revolution was actually named the Saffron because of the color of the robes the monks wear. Oh, okay. Yeah. So because it was a monk-led movement. So I've been actually through, in my life, through two revolutions and a pandemic. So yeah. it's, it's pretty, 
eventful. <laughs> when this is all over, you should write a book about it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Remind me what your major is. Did you say it was marketing? Was it? Uh, uh, business. Business Bus and leadership. Business and leadership. Well, you're you're getting a lot of firsthand uh, training in leadership. I mean, you're you're a leader at this point. You're a leader. You're one of the leaders in this in this revolution, and you're you're learning a lot. And and I hope at some point, uh, even if you do continue to go into business, that you'll be you'll continue be uh, to be leading not only the Myanmar people but people around the world in in doing the right thing and standing up for justice and freedom and liberty. Yeah. Um, and I hope that you write about this in the future. I hope you'll tell people, you'll preserve this for posterity. Because I do feel like I have a responsibility when, you know, like I said, our nation is so impoverished, they earn like $2 per day. When, you know, I'm privileged enough, I'm lucky enough to be born into a family where they can, you know, provide me even Amer American private education, you know? So yeah. I, I, I really do feel like I have a responsibility to my people where I have seen how other countries' infrastructure, like how their welfare, how their healthcare system, okay, maybe not healthcare system in America, but, <laughs> but healthcare system, you know, public transport. I see all these things, how, you know, how like just being born into a different country, like limits your opportunity, you know, where I see that how just being born into America, you can become someone. There, like, there's so many ways to be someone. There's so many, like, if you try hard enough, there's so many ways to climb up the ladder. Where, just being born in Myanmar, you're 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 in a deadlock just because you're born into this country. That that that's also what really drives me right now. Is that you know, it really make, makes me feel sad knowing knowing the other side of the world. Yeah, that's why we also say like. How do you say? Be, you know, focus on the third world problems. I would say the first world problems. They're, they're, I mean, they're real, but they're not real to us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at this point in time, what else could people in the United States or any of the other first world countries? What else can we do? to help other than raise awareness? Is there, like I keep thinking investment, is there any yeah. local business yeah. that we can invest in? Let me know. Oh, like, so I would say right now, yes, awareness, we have reached like a point where maybe awareness is good enough. But what we okay. can do right now is fundraise for, because as you know, uh, as I said before, like a lot of government workers are uh, engaging in the civil disobedience movement. So, these workers are not getting paid. And think about it, they were only usually being paid, what, um, like at most $100 per month. And mm. most, some, uh, like a portion of these government workers also live in government leased houses. And they have been, most of them have been kicked out. Most of them had to, you know, relocate. So right now, I would say is to fundraise, fundraise, fundraise for the civil disobedience movement. Mm. And I will definitely send you some links to, I think there's a lot of GoFundMe pages. There's also a lot of local, um, local fundraising, uh, like funding, which mm -hmm. might actually, how do you say, make the process quicker. But mm -hmm. I believe there's also a lot of international um, fundraisers that is going on. I'll, I'll, I will send you a link on those. But I would say okay. the focus will be on that so that we can sustain 
um, the civil disobedience movement and crippled the country. Right, right. Okay. So, um, uh, are there any other final thoughts that you would want to share with the viewers? And, and maybe we can do this again. I mean, I, I'd like to keep getting updates from you from time to time and, and, and hopefully seeing progress. Um, but are there any, I, I'm just wondering, are there any short videos that you'd want to show the viewer um, that show how bad things are? You've shared a couple of them with me, but I don't know if you want to maybe show them really quickly. Is there anything that you, that you think yeah, might be helpful? Sure. I'll show I'll show a video that um, okay. I send it to. You. Uh, these are some brutal videos where uh, people might be uncomfortable looking at. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for the viewers, I, I I stress that these might be triggering videos. Be aware of that. But this is this is reality. You know what? I'm going to pause the recording just for a moment. Yeah. Okay. So, so Ang is going to show us a couple of videos here. Yeah. This was at the start of where uh, the police forces started using violence, where mm -hmm. this used to be a major place for um, major place for peaceful protest, and where. Uh, one of the person, one of the people was gone down here. Mm. You can see how nobody is um, charging at them, but they're charging at us. Our protests have kind of turned like that, where it becomes like a cat and mouse situation. Mm. And here's another video of them using excessive force. Mm -hmm. You can see how like people have to run into some homes, run into streets, and now um the next video is the really graphic one. Okay. <clears throat> oh, where is it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, just a sec. Zoom again. Okay. Here you can see how, like, there are a lot of like volunteer healthcare workers, and they also get indis indiscriminately targeted and get mm -hmm. assaulted like this. This is their brutality. Oh boy. So and this is out in the open. Think about what happened in their um. In their, like, in their custody. Right, in custody, yeah. In private, yeah. Wow. That's brutal. Yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah. That is, that is what we have to deal with. 
this this happened yeah this happened like just two nights before uh two nights before where this this the city i live in where you can see a lot of flash bombs going off just to scare people So, I mean, that's just a taste of the type of nights I've been having to go through for the last month. Yeah. But yeah. So they set up a curfew of 8 p.m. to um, 4 a.m., like martial law. And then they, they do whatever they want at night. So, yeah, these are armed police and military who are supposed to protect the people. But in turn, they are only protecting uh, the junta men online and their group of friends. That is, yeah, that is what happens when people don't have guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so maybe we'll uh, we'll use this as a, you know a stopping point, and um, you know we just uh, ask the the viewers to uh, to do um, you know to 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 give money to raise funds for people who've lost their jobs. Um, and yeah, if you can provide for me uh, any yeah. kind of uh, websites or whatever, I'll be yeah. I'll put that on my social media. And yeah, um, yeah. so I want to thank you, Ang. Thank you for for sharing this with us. Thank you for being a, a you know an amazing example of somebody who's fighting for not just freedom for for your own country, but but showing the rest of the world. Um, what an unarmed populace can do. I'm, I'm just so amazed at what you guys have put together with so little, just all of those thousands and thousands of identical signs that just show up out of nowhere that, that like you said, somebody says, hey, we need signs. And then somebody else comes up with the signs. You know, that's just amazing collaborative thinking and work. Just, uh, and, and I hope the rest of the world learns something from that, that we can stand against tyrants. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity where I can have a platform to you know, tell my international friends or, yeah, that these Absolutely. are the problems that has happened. Yeah. All right. So God bless you. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, yeah. stop the recording and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll check back with you sometime soon. Yep. See you. Okay.